Welcome to Honestly Haunted. Welcome back to Honestly Haunted. We're your hosts, Erin Grogan and Abby Chowney. This week, we are actually stepping away from our tour around the U.S. in honor of today's holiday. So if you're listening on the day we released this episode, then today is St. Patrick's Day. Happy St. Patrick's Day! Erin go you, you kind of became Scottish I'm there. Sorry. Not, I'm sorry. Not the same. I was just overcome. Close. <laughs> <laughs> Different, but not really. <laughs> just kidding. Aaron and I both hail from Irish heritage. And even if you don't, have a pint of Guinness and enjoy the day. We do. Yes. We will. We yes. plan on doing such things. Indeed. So uh, we decided that for today's episode, we should travel abroad this week and tell a tale of a haunted house in Ireland, Loftus Hall in Wexford, Ireland. Something particularly of note that is fun about this haunting is that as of July 2020, this house is actually for sale for a mere 2.5 million. Chump uh, change. Is that... Is that uh, euros? So it's Pounds? like, yeah, it's Dollars? it's a little bit less in euros. Um, <laughs> euros, not pounds. Thank no, you very much. I didn't, know, I, well, I didn't know if it was in Northern Ireland yet. <laughs> it's not. It's in Wexford. <laughs> it's my bad. Oh, Wexford. You said that. I'm sorry. I'm <laughs> it's, embarrassed. It's fine. It's fine. But it's hey, not fine. It's... But it's fine. <laughs> For a mere 2.5 million euros dollars uh you could be the proud owner of a large haunted country house in ireland i mean that's honestly the dream it's kind of what we've been aiming for so can we go in on that together (laughs) yeah i got i got at least 1.2 mil just lying around okay so if you could come up with um like (laughs) 1.3 more (laughs) then that would be great absolutely golden so i can contribute five (laughs) dollars Final offer, $5. But for our listeners, if any of you are interested, but before you kind of call your realtor, take a listen to the rest of this episode. Call your bank for a loan. Your bank for a substantial loan. Uh, Let's check out the rest of this, uh, this episode and see if you still want to live there. So the location of Loftus Hall is actually on a peninsula that's known as Hookhead, and it's an area that has a lot of historical significance. So in 1170, Raymond Legros, or Gross, I don't really know how Le- he pronounced it. Legros? Legros? <laughs> fought a battle here, and the land is known as the place where Ireland was lost and won. The original castle here was built and called Houseland Castle. In 1350, however, the original castle was torn down and rebuilt. This was done by the Redmond family during the Black Death. This castle became known as Redmond Hall, or The Hall, and this is the actual building that would later be known as R. Loftus Hall. This hall was involved directly in the Irish Confederate Wars in the mid-1640s. In 1642, it was attacked by English soldiers loyal to Charles I of England. While there was a nearby fort that was the main focus of attacks and battles, Alexander Redmond, the owner of the castle, was known to be sympathetic to the Irish rebels. 
The hall was known as a place where rebels could get assistance, and so the English captain, Aston, tried to take over the hall. Redmond and his sons barricaded the hall, and a battle between the ten hall defenders and ninety English soldiers ensued. Aston's cannon could not overtake the door, and many of his men began to leave his side during the battle. The mist from the sea also began to take over and made it hard to see. Irish Confederate Captain Thomas Roche heard about this standoff and under the cover of fog brought his soldiers to come and attack the English invaders. About 30 of the English soldiers were able to escape and retreat, but Aston was dead and many of the English soldiers were hanged the very next day. After Redmond's death in 1650, his remaining family was evicted. Before we leave the Redmonds, though, an interesting note about the Redmond lineage. John Redmond, a famous Irish nationalist from the early 20th century, is a direct descendant of Alexander Redmond. So the nationalism was strong with this line. Good for them. Yeah, Good for which, them. you know, I'm, I'm uh, very into this. If you <laughs> know anything about me, did a whole dissertation on Irish history. Somewhat, <laughs> somewhat invested and slash passionate. Just, just a little bit. Just a little bit. <laughs> so the next family to get the castle was the Loftus family, which is where we get our current name. It wasn't until 1666 that the Loftus family actually moved in to make the castle their residence, though. The hall underwent extensive restoration during uh, the years 1872 to 1884 when it was occupied by... John Henry Wellington Graham Loftus. Wow. Yeah, it's a, That's a long name. Several. <laughs> several names. Uh, his mother, who also has several names, Lady Jane Hope Vare Loftus, <laughs> was actually a lady-in-waiting to Queen Victoria. Oh. Yeah, kind of interesting, yeah. right? I don't think I realized lady-in-waitings were still a thing for Queen Victoria's time. Oh, yeah. Oh, Mia. I'm trying to think of all the responsibilities of lady-in-waiting. Because Victoria had a bunch of children, so I don't know if they were, like, they assisted her somewhat. So, okay, I'm going to be real honest. Um, most of what I know about the title Lady-in-Waiting comes from the musical Once Upon a Mattress. So I'm pretty sure everything I know about it is that they have to literally wait until their person that they're in waiting for is married before they can get married. Because that's how it goes in the musical. Well, that must be it. Well, so... the Queen Victoria was definitely married, so... Well, yeah. Maybe when she was a princess. Well, I don't know. I don't know either. I, you know what? I'm going to go with Once Upon a Mattress might not be the most <laughs> historical uh, context for, for us to go off You're of. are going to have to face it at some point. <laughs> it's not it. It's disappointing. Me on the other end, I have an extensive knowledge of the House of Windsor and I'm a little, <laughs> little too obsessed. Whatever, you English invader. <laughs> I also have Welsh heritage, so I mean like... Welsh and Irish heritage, so double whammy of English invader syndrome. <laughs> invader. <laughs> I d we digress. <laughs> anyway, so uh, his mother was a lady in waiting yes. for Queen Victoria. So the Loftuses, with their, their long names and attachment to the monarchy, added a grand staircase, which we'll share some pictures of. It's actually quite lovely. Uh, the mosaic flooring, flushing toilets, and actually blown air and heating. So it's believed that these were added in anticipation of a visit from Queen Victoria herself, although that never actually came to pass. In 1917, the hall was purchased by the Sisters of Providence and turned into a convent, and it remained as such until 1983, when it was turned into the Loftus Hall Hotel. The hotel was not open for very long, though, and it closed in the late 1990s. 
In 2011, the Quigley family purchased the home, and over the years since their purchase, the house had been used for paranormal investigators and events. Our good friend Zach Baggins was there with Ghost Adventures, and it was used as a film location for the film The Lodgers. So, obviously, this house has been through a lot. Many owners, many purposes. But the most famous spooky tale from this hall has to do with a mysterious young man who might just have been the devil himself. Mm. Da, da, da. <laughs> so, in 1752, going back a little bit here. So, Charles Tottenham was lord of the manor after marrying his wife, Anne Loftus, who was daughter of the Viscount Loftus. Together, they had six children, four boys, and two girls. One daughter was named Anne after her mother. The elder Anne became ill and died, and Tottenham remarried Jane Cliff shortly after. In 1775, Charles, Jane, and Anne were resting in the Loftus Hall during a very bad storm. A ship washed ashore during the storm, and a young man was found in the wreckage. Charles invited the young man into their home, and over the next few days, Anne and the mysterious man became very close and developed romantic feelings for one another. One night, the group of them played cards, and the young man dealt out three cards to each player, except for Anne, who only had two. Anne ducked below the table to see if she had dropped a card, and when she was underneath the table, she saw that the man had a cloven foot. Anne yelled and screamed about what she saw, and chaos ensued. The man flew up out of his seat and burst into flames. He then literally flew up right through the roof, leaving a large hole behind and disappearing. He left behind smoke and the strong scent of sulfur. The incident drove Anne mad. She refused drink and food and spent her days staring out to the sea, looking out for the young man. Her family locked her away in a room so there would be less talk of her and her madness. The room she spent the rest of her days in was known as the tapestry room. When she died, her muscles had seized and she couldn't be straightened out, so she was buried in the same sitting position she was in since the day the mysterious cloven-footed man left. After she died, both servants and family members claimed to see her wandering through the home at night. It became so bad that the family actually invited the local priest, Father Broders, to come exercise the hall. The priest, however, said he could not su successfully exercise the tapestry room. The family believed the man who'd come to visit was the devil, and he had taken Anne's soul. Since then, people have continued to see Anne, feel cold and warm spots throughout the hall, and generally feel unease in certain places, such as the tapestry room. So, hmm. would you want to buy a place that had the devil visit? You know, I'd like to say it's a deal breaker. <laughs> but, <laughs> but castle in Ireland? I mean, we this is not our first castle. We did no, uh, we, we did, did a, a Scottish a one. Scottish castle as well. And you know, I th I think it's Especially for in America, when there's not locations like brick and mortar locations that are as old as what we're dealing with in other parts of, you know, all over the world where the history is just a little bit older, a little bit more well recorded. Yeah, we started in um, 1170 here. Well, late. America's, <laughs> America's still a little bit of a teenager. Um, you know, it's just, it, it's interesting to, to me to think about how much history uh, a castle actually sees on. Yeah, you know, I mean... So, so we kind of focused in on the main spooky tale because it's the legend that really kind of survives in the area for that location. But that being said, I mean, that castle had seen the Black Plague, uh, mm -hmm. invasions, 
war. Like, it has seen a lot. A so lot. I'm, I think it's, it's uh, fair to assume that many a people had died there. Mm-hmm. Um, Alexander Redmond himself died in yeah. the castle while yeah. he was living there. So, I mean, it, it is a place that has seen a lot of life and a lot, and a lot of death. Yeah, well, and also the, all the soldiers as yeah. well. So, yeah, and I mean, also it carries the significance of the times in which it, like, you know, existed. Yeah. So, like, lots of historical events, lots of historical importance, um, you know, the signs of the times kind of, like... <laughs> hold on like I always I always kind of that's how I imagine it like older buildings just kind of like take in and, and keep yeah. those energies over over the centuries so we, we talked about Lady Anne and her her rendezvous with the devil which started out like parts of the Caribbean but then <laughs> didn't end up like that <laughs> not all stories can end like parts not of all of them but I so in our research we also saw that like That is the most common story, is that she saw cloven feet, went mad, flames burst, sulfur sulfur smells. You know, that's pretty pretty iconic. But an alternative story to that that we saw was that Lady Anne welcomed the stranger into her home with her father and stepmother. She fell in love with him, but her father would refuse to allow her to, to be with the man. Um, but she was already with child and so was oh. pushed or was, was hidden away in the tapestry room of the home to hide her shame that she was pregnant out of wedlock. And what happened to the man? It doesn't, I, I don't know. The, the story says that we don't know what happened to him, but there is a legend that the skeleton of an infant was discovered within the walls. Oh. Yeah. You know, that's super creepy, but also probably more likely because I was going to say, you know, it's it's not um it's not unusual for me to like hear that's a woman with mental illness was locked away and treated mm-hmm. poorly, especially back then. Mm-hmm. Um and and so the the legends surrounding it being very like grand. Yes. <laughs> I I think make a lot of sense. Um especially, you know, Ireland is a very religious country that has been through a lot of religious turmoil and things mm-hmm. as well. So to have the actual imagery of the devil taking part of like making this woman mad, yeah, I think uh, it's is pretty poignant. Well, her yeah, her father and stepmother basically wanting to you know preserve the family from shame if she was indeed pregnant out of yeah. wedlock and that was frowned upon would create this story of, uh, of an, uh, an interaction with the devil that left her completely insane and yeah. therefore she could not re-enter society and was able to protect the family name. So there's like this interesting connection between the devil and card playing. Tell, tell me. So, tell me so, um, do you know the play The Seafarer? I don't think so. Okay, so it's by Connor McPherson. It's oh, an Irish play. Okay. It's a 2006 Irish play. Um, it's a great play. I highly suggest it to anybody who's listening. But basically, it is, it's set on Christmas Eve in a coastal town and in Ireland. And basically, the play centers on um, this guy who's called Sharky, and he's an alcoholic, and he's returned to live with his blind brother. And basically he's trying not to drink so this mysterious man shows up to the house and they start playing a game of poker and it 
basically turns out that this mysterious man is the devil and that the main guy, Sharky, had in years ago, uh, like, said that he would wager um, the devil for his soul. And so this is the devil coming to basically collect. Oh. Um, but the reason that I'm even bringing it up, besides the fact that it's just a great play, is, <laughs> is that, again, it's like a devil playing cards. And that's the main point of the story of... Um, of Anne, you know, they were playing cards. They each got dealt three cards except for Anne. And huh. I wondered why that was like so specific in yeah. all of the tales and legends. <clears throat> and I'm like, what is what do the cards the have to do? Of only being dealt two cards. Yeah, and 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 it's interesting that it's like this mysterious man playing cards with people's lives. Yeah. I about that yeah i hadn't i had not heard the correlation but yeah so i i don't really know exactly what the significance of that is but i did think it was interesting because every single retelling of the legend that i saw reiterated this idea that Anne only had two and Mm -hmm. that's and and in a way it made it seem like in the legend the mysterious man wanted her to see the cloven feet yeah like, did something like, on purpose? I feel like, yeah, they well, they would be able... Up until that point, he was able to hide it. His clothes right. feet. So why, in that moment, did he choose to reveal himself? To reveal them. Himself? Yeah. Yeah. Also, the fact that the smell of sulfur remained yeah. after... I mean, sulfur is often very much associated with demons. Yep. And... Or hell in general. Hell, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, you know, that's, that's also interesting. I... I was surprised that there were not as many other ghost stories, that it's kind of just like the visions of Anne, things like that. Um, I also read, and this is something that's come up before about like places that perpetuate their ghost history. Right. Because the Quigleys in 2011 bought the house, the hall, Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. then decided to kind of go with the ghost stories. Yeah, they invited... Invited Zach Baggins, and, yeah. and the Irish ghost hunters were there, too, and, yeah. like, a, a bunch of, of tours and paranormal events. And, you know, good for them. Like, I, I don't ever bring this up to disparage people from doing that. No, like that, I, we would do it in a heartbeat. Exactly. Um, I just bring it up because it always makes me wonder what the correlation is between, like, the legends and how much the haunting is there versus kind of what we talked about with myths and urban legends, like, how much of what the people putting this stuff on make happen there. Yeah, and what's been handed down and what's been twisted, you know, because it's like, you know, the the art of of storytelling and, and how it embellishment is common and you know people everybody adds to it too yeah kind of a cool thing about it like people will add little you know personal touches to it and that gets just handed down but i also am curious about the era in which it was a convent i know (laughs) yeah i could find i could not find anything about the era in which it was a convent or when it was a hotel and you would think <laughs> right so like based on things we have done so far yeah. hotels are heckin haunted heckin'. and <laughs> convents i mean you we, got haven't, them. we haven't done a convent but we we've done see, related things we did see the nun it's boy howdy oh boy that one got me the nun was scary yeah i'm not gonna lie about that 
I, I think we need to stop talking about the nun because my fiance is very scared of the nun. And we, don't, we don't talk about the nun in this house. This, just, it, the nun is not allowed in this house. Persona non grata. <laughs> anyway. But I also wonder if while it was a convent, if this, you know, if the sisters there had any experience with Saw anything, or, felt anything. Are nuns permitted by the Catholic Church to exorcisms? Probably not. I don't think nuns are. Yeah. I think you have to be a priest. priest. I think. I mean, they probably can help. Yeah. Help out with it. But I do think you I would need... accept help from in that situation. <laughs> yeah, but I think it. I think it generally has to be a dude hmm. of some kind Typical. of stature in the church. <laughs> <laughs> what do you do? I am a dude of stature. Dude of stature in the Catholic Church. <laughs> I mean, yeah. <laughs> so, looking at the house, I mean, like I'm assuming that the pictures that well, we're going to share a few, and the house itself is beautiful. Definitely Google it, Gorgeous. and it's like. I mean, major Pride and Precious vibes yeah. here, but it's like, you know, it's it's got some really beautiful pieces. The stairwell that they talk about is gorgeous. I mean, it was renovated in anticipation of Queen Victoria, so it's gorgeous. <laughs> yes. So obviously run down in some spots. I don't think the Quigley's really used it as a family home. No. So they basically, okay, so basically one of the reasons that it's on the market now is because it probably needs about 400,000 euro renovations. So why are they still. charging 2.5 million for it? <laughs> I, guess, I guess because they also did renovations from yeah. when they bought it, so it's like... <laughs> I I guess they they did renovate it quite a bit after they got it, but there's more to be done. And, yeah. and I mean, 2020, you know. Yeah. So it's so I think it's it's mostly on the market not because they're scared of it. <laughs> it doesn't sound like they not are. because the devil is roaming the halls, but uh, because 2020 has broken the bank for quite a few people. Sure. Um, I, if I had that type of money, I would buy it in a heartbeat. I would love to live in Ireland. I would love to live there. I would not even care if it was fully haunted. If the devil, like, had one of the rooms, I'd be like, cool, you know, you take that one. We'll take these other ones. <laughs> We're good. It's got 22 bedrooms. So, I mean, I can give the devil one of them. <laughs> stay on that side of the house. He's already got the tapestry room. They yeah. Stay in the tapestry exactly. room. I, I'm I don't really need to do tapestry much these yeah, days. No, not not a huge need for Just it. Just don't have a ton of time. So <laughs> So very interesting. Which I think all of it kind of probably leads to our verdict. Which is honestly, honestly not, not haunted. haunted. Yeah, oh, I know. We agree again. Yay. The world is as it should be. The world is at peace <laughs> once more. Yeah, as we go like as we, you know, do our research on these and we go through it and, and read it, and it's kind of like you know, hopefully you follow along, which is so funny when we disagree, because it's like we, we kind of talk through it all, uh, you know, together. And the more we go through, we're like, yeah, I think we've kind of come to our verdict. On this one, it's just like, there's there's just not enough. There's not enough hype. solid stories, <laughs> yeah. I feel like. Oof. Okay, and, and that's the really interesting thing is I, Ireland is a very, like, old country with a lot of structures that have been around for a long time with a ripe, lot of history. Ripe for hauntings. Right. <laughs> um, so I was kind of surprised to come to this verdict, but I think it's, I think it's genuinely like if we were there, maybe mm -hmm. we'd feel differently. It is currently closed because it's on the market. Mm. If we were there, maybe we would have different experiences, but because 
the the only solid story is this like far-fetched Odd legend tale. yes um i feel like there's there's just not enough talk about the actual hauntings people have experienced yeah i would love to hear from those who have lived in the home yeah because you know the whole idea of, of Anne's ghost still being there yeah and wandering or the fact that it sounds like the tapestry room itself still holds a lot of that energy negative um, energy you know it, it, I, I could be easily swayed but i feel yes. like the only way aaron and i would find out is if we don mustaches and top hats and go in pretending to be real estate investors and try to buy this house yes hello i am interested in this home hello good sir i'm a very important businessman <laughs> And I have a lot of money. Lot of money to blow. Let's let's go. So no one tell the Quigleys. They won't see us coming. <laughs> not, not even a little bit. <laughs> oh boy. Well, this was fun. It was. I hope. I hope you guys have have enjoyed this little uh, you know foray out of our around the the our, country tour, our haunted America tour to celebrate a little bit uh, St. Patrick's Day. Day fun. Yes. Yeah. Don't forget to wear green. Um, and if you're listening to this after St. Patrick's Day, you know, happy St. Patrick's Day anyway, because <laughs> every day it's good to be Irish and proud of it. <laughs> it's every day St. Patrick's Day in your heart. It's true. It just is. <laughs> Thank you guys so much for listening. As always, please go check out uh, the information. We'll share some more pictures about the Loftus Hall on our Instagram and Facebook. At Honestly Haunted. You can follow us on Twitter at Honestly Haunted as well. You can support us on Patreon if you'd like to support us and have some extra content as well. Also, if you would, if you like what you hear, you like us, you want us to continue doing some stuff, please leave us a review. We would really appreciate it, and the reviews really do help. And they make us smile. Yes. They do. So thanks again so much, and we'll see you in two weeks with more Honestly Haunted. Little round, Steve. <laughs>